Rondo Aguilar, motivational speaker on Life Coast for Bipolar Depression Power. And you're listening to Ethan, where he blows up the news in a verbal scale. Intellectual stimulation by way of mobile devices. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast. And here is your host of the show, Ephraim Guzman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Atomic Podcast, coming to you live from Twin Lakes, Wisconsin, where I blow up the news on a verbal scale. I am your host, Ephraim Guzman. My guest today, he's a motivational speaker, Armando Aguilar. Armando, how are you? What's up, brother? It's Armando Aguilar. Aguilar, I'm sorry. No worries, it happens. I get all the time, and people ask me if Christina's my, my cousin, and I said, if I get free passes to somewhere, sure. <laughs> sure she is my cousin right? no, that's just an inside joke but um, I'm, I'm excited man I'm excited to be on your show I'm excited uh, obviously to get a little bit of people on the on mental illness which is a subject that it's really big and um, right now people are talking a little bit more about it due to what happened with uh, Logan Paul yeah. in that situation I don't know if you know about that situation but uh, it brought a lot of negatives but it also brought the opportunity to have people start speaking about suicide yeah i know suicide is is a big thing and depression is a big thing i don't i guess they go hand in hand but um tell me about your story man tell me about your life growing up um how was your upbringing like and everything well i mean i'm a i'm a two two-time suicide survivor and uh, my story is from two times uh, from two times su- suicide survivor to entrepreneur and uh, which I'm really proud of where I'm at now. And my childhood was really strong, really, really hard. Um, I the last time I saw my real dad was when I was four years old, and I had a stepdad that came into my life when I was five. And um, and there was a lot of struggles there uh, because of the fact that my mom was a single mom, and he was he, it was hard for him to understand, you know, that I, that I was uh, you know not part of his kids, and he had some other kids, so there was a lot of you know being more preferable to his kids. This, these kids didn't live with us, but it was always more of that compare, comparison with my kids are accomplishing this and our models not, right? And as, as things keep on going in life, it, it just got more terrible and more terrible to the point where if family would get home, if people would show up at the house, they would hide me on the closet. Wow. So that obviously, obviously had a big impact in my life. Wow. So- elements like, Let's go ahead. I said, uh, why would they hide you in the closet? I don't get it. When you, they just they like would hide me in the closet because obviously I believe, uh, you know, as as you know, I face bipolar disorder. Yeah. And I used the word face, and we'll get into that a little bit more. And it started hitting me. I believe it started hitting me when I was like 13 years old. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to understand it, and it's really hard as a person that's going through it to be able to self-diagnose. You can't self-diagnose because you know your mind is operating normal. That's your normal to you. So you can't see your mood swings. You can't see, you know, when you're really depressed and you really don't want to do much. The only excuse you have is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Because really, you don't know. Yeah. So being in bed, not want to be motivated, not want to do much, it was always thrown in my face and say, you're, you know, you're a loser. You don't want to get nowhere. You're the ugly ducking of the family. So that's one of the re- that was some of the reasons why they would hide me because not that I would do anything wrong. It's, I was just, I just 
was trying to find myself. And also when you're at that age, when you're 13, 14, 15, you know your body's changing. You're trying to find you. So you have your normal ups and downs as a kid where, you know, leave me alone, don't talk to me, or I know it all era, right? We all went through that period of I know it all. So that added even more to it. And then it became like, okay, you're 16, you don't want to go to school, you don't want to accomplish things. And that was something that was taught to me since day one. I was told that I was never going to be successful since day one, since I can remember. I was also told that, you know, there's no, there's not much reason for me to be anywhere in life because I, I, it was already, it was already planned that I was, it was already determined by life that I wasn't going to get anywhere. And that's what I, not only did you hear that, because a lot of people, we hear a lot of negative things, right? But hearing it's one thing and make you believe that is another thing. See, sometimes, sometimes the struggle and the pain that comes with bipolar disorder or any mental illness, depression, it's not that. The struggle and the pain really comes from what they made you believe about yourself. Mm. Addition addition of the illness yeah so they made you believe all your life that you really were not going to be anywhere alive and that's what you were taught well then you you already you already believe it and as if you believe the law of attraction you're not attracting anything positive Mm. not that and i never did drugs or drinking i never and my route was never that way Uh, my route was uh food was my comfort yeah, you know, just food is accessible. You can get food anywhere. If I go to your house, I can eat there. Turn around, go to somebody else's house, and I can eat there. Or on the way home, I can stop, you know, fast food place. So food is accessible twenty four hours a day, and uh, it and it's cheap. You know, you can get a hamburger now for ninety nine cents. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, so if you have five bucks, you, you know, you got you got four hamburgers. Yeah. You know what I mean, and that was that was my comfort, and it blew me up to almost four hundred pounds. Wow. Yeah, they got me real big because of the fact that that, that was my only outlet. And and like I said, it, it's very accessible. Yeah. And that was my only outlet to continue eating. And when you're facing a mental illness, obviously you don't you know, you don't crave vegetables. You know, you don't crave fish. You don't crave healthy food. Yeah. You crave junk. Yeah. You know, you create sugars. There's a lot of sugars because the sugar gives you that a little bit of that high, but then it drops you back down. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of people that when they hear the word mental illness, they're like, "Oh, I'm not mentally ill. I, I, I never experienced nothing like that." But you know, um, you know, even my own life, you know, like I've been depressed a lot. Even when I was younger, I've been through like emotional, like you know, verbal abuse, and I know a lot of other people that's been through emotional verbal abuse. Um, do you consider that, is that like a, a mental illness when you've been abused so young and then you carry it with you till you're older? Well, see, mental illness happens in, in, uh, in two ways. Okay. It can happen either you get it from your, you know, from your genes, somebody can transfer it over to you. Yeah. And, and also if you have a trauma in your life. So somebody that, you know, has gone through a terrible divorce, the kid's gone through a terrible divorce, that can leave a trauma. Uh, the kid's seeing the dad, you know, beating the mom, you know, the dad being uh, an alcoholic, you know, the dad abusing the kid, whether it be a, a daughter or, or a male. Those, those are very strong traumas that lead in your mind. Now, ne- not necessarily because you go through those traumas, you're going to develop a mental illness, but you have a, a bigger risk to develop a mental illness because of the traumas that you had. Mm-hmm. So that's the, one of the two ways. Now, talking about your case, 
what, what you experience, to a certain degree, everybody in life goes through a depression time in their life. Mm-hmm. They, there's a depression time in your life where you do fall into that, whether it be when you're trying to be, uh, you know, 16, 17, trying to find yourself. Then when you hit your, you know, your, you know, your mid 20s and your, you know, your beginning 30s, you could also fall into depression there because of the fact of what is it that you want to accomplish. You haven't accomplished it. Society's telling you you need to accomplish all these things, and that also leads to depression. And with your case. You know, what you had, what you saw, the, the mental abuse, of course, that can definitely be a sign of depression and be a sign that you might be facing a mental illness. I'm not a doctor, so I can't give you any medical advice, mm-hmm. but it might, it, it could be a lead that leads you to it. Do you live with it constantly? Do you feel that you're overcome it? Do you still get it? Well, yeah, I have a lot of issues going on with, you know, um, stuff when I was brought when I was younger and you know I'm seeing the therapist about it now and stuff in my marriage and stuff and it just like everything is like you know even speaking you know people say oh you know we're, we're Latino we don't need to talk to nobody about our problems we don't need to see a therapist but you know seeking therapy does help because there's a lot of things a lot of deep rooted things that I personally block out in my head and then everything is coming to the light from you know talking about it with a stranger getting the confidence to talk about it with somebody you're like oh my god you know, this is affecting me now and my marriage. This is affecting me now and my kids. And, you know, at that time, you know, you don't think about it. But when everyone shit hits the fan, as they say, and then you go back and you realize it stems from, like, the beginning of childhood. Like, there's a deep-rooted stuff that happens to you that, you know, as a, as, as a person, you block it out of your mind because you don't even want to think about it. So, it's just... It's, you know, remember we have our conscious. Remember we have our conscious and our subconscious mind. Yeah. And in our subconscious mind, all those things are left, right? And yeah. those and those have an imprint, a huge imprint on our conscious mind. Mm-hmm. Right. So you, a therapy is phenomenal. People always want to have a stigma regarding therapies, but the funny thing, a lot of the people that people admire, whether it be you know a celebrity, a musician, um, you know somebody that's in politics, somebody that's accomplishing a lot of things, or is in a very press in a very pressable job, where they got to make decisions of if I invest five million dollars, if it doesn't work out, what's going to happen? All those create such a huge stress, right? And and stress can also lead you to a huge depression. Mm-hmm. So, my, what I mean by that is they get help, they go to therapy, but at the same time, people see it as something negative, but if you see these people creating so much things in their life and being successful in their lives, ther- therapy is a positive thing. Unfortunately, it has a negative stigma behind it, but if it were me, I would recommend therapy to everybody, mm-hmm. everybody, because you have the opportunity to speak to somebody that can guide you correctly, that can give you some phenomenal medical advice, um, and, and, and overcome those things that are, stu- that are stuck in your subconscious mind. Yeah, that's true because, you know, there's a lot of, especially in the Latino culture, I, I, w- I would just say any culture, there's people that don't want to talk about their problems or they're just buried. Or, you know, like in my issue, my father was an alcoholic and, you know, I used to see him do things. And, you know, it when I was little, you know, people say, you know, you don't remember things when you're little, but you actually do. And, you know, going into therapy, things come out I'm like, oh, my God, like, you know, he did that and that happened. And that's probably why I am like that today. You know, like you try to make logic of a illogical situation that you're dealing with and you know as as a kids we see abuse even at five at five years old six years old we see abuse and we take that with us and we bring that into whatever relationship or to whatever family we grow and 
um, not talking about it and not dealing with the situation and trying to bury it, I think it does more harm than good, you know, because there's people who are depressed, but there's a reason for their depression and there's a reason for the situation that they're in, you know, so what do you think, what do you say to people that um, feel that they don't need to talk to somebody because they feel they, they can handle it or or they're, they're probably in a marriage where, you know, there's the trust is gone and there's no trust in the marriage, like what do you say to people like that? Well, first of all, I'm Latino myself, so I completely understand the labels behind it. It's 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 always "Será tu hijo, pero no el mío." Sí, sí. Your son, but not mine. My son is a perfect. He's a uh, you know an athlete, and he's never been to the field, right? Yeah. But you know that's that's the way of view, and unfortunately, because of those elements, people do not go get help. I posted a, the other day uh, a post that said it's sad to see how many people. Do not take care of their mental illness or mental health due to the stigma, right? And yeah. at the end of the day, if you value the stigma, you're only hurting yourself because you're not bettering yourself. Mm-hmm. And if somebody else has that much power over you of the fact that I don't want that person to know that I'm facing this or I don't want the person to know that I'm going to therapy then you're not living your life. You're living a life that you want to please somebody else. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things that I tell people that don't want to go to therapy, but they have the issues. But they don't want to admit them because I don't want my wife to know. I don't want my kids to know. I don't want my friends to know. I don't want people to work to know because they're going to think I'm crazy because they're going to think all those things. Mm-hmm. And I say, are you those things? Mm-hmm. He goes, no, I'm not. So then what do you worry about? What others people think. The only people you should worry about is the people that you completely love and the people who help you pay your bills. Yeah. You know what I mean? So by that by saying that it opens a door where people turn around and say, you know, you're right. Why am I trying to be so scared what my neighbor thinks and I don't even talk to my neighbor? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So you gotta start making choices for yourself that are gonna better you. Mm-hmm. And not make choices based on what other people might think because that's going to stop you and one of the biggest things is that and and that applies in business that applies in any type of life you know so many people like the kid that plays football because the dad wanted to be a football player and the kid hates football and now lives a terrible life because he's got to go work out and he's got to go do those things that he doesn't love he loves creating websites he -hmm. loves you know other elements in life but he's He's doing that because somebody else is pressuring him to do that. And that leads a kid to a major depression because he's he's trying to find himself, but he's not allowed to find himself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Um, but, you know what I mean? But I was going to ask you, but like for, for people like, you know how you say, like they need to talk and have an outlet, talk to somebody. There's a lot of people who probably, let's say, don't have insurance or don't have, the, I guess, the, the way to... To talk to somebody who, who you know, who's licensed as, as a licensed therapist, like, what could they do, though? Like, if they have all this depression and they can't talk about it with nobody and they can't even go to it, what, what possibly could they do? This is a phenomenal tip that I have because I do live coaching that I have with my clients that I, that I do the live coaching with is if you feel that you don't really have anybody to talk to, you're wrong because you have yourself. Mm-hmm. So journaling is so important. Because if you can journal your feelings, you can also leave them in that piece of paper. Yeah. You know, when you're real with yourself and you turn around and you start writing, this is exactly how I feel. 
And you start questioning, why do I feel this way? Now, the work facing comes from, I have depression, I am facing the illness, and see, when you walk into a room, because again, I, I don't hide my illness at all. And I've had people remove me from Facebook when they find out. I have people say, oh, I got to go because I got to go pick up my kids. And they don't even have kids. <laughs> I mean, or, or the conversation ends real quick. And, well, I got to take this call. And their phone hasn't even rang. Yeah. You know, because they just the negative stigma. But I don't hide it because it's not by choice. I, you know, I didn't wake up and go, Monday morning, I want to be depressed. Yeah. How cool would that be? No. Right, but then again, I start making choices that are better for me, yeah. and that's when people need to start doing. And by writing your feelings, by analyzing them, then you can start seeing what steps do I need to take. Will you start finding it out on on YouTube? Will you start reading about it? But when you also yourself doesn't want to look at those things and just say I have an issue, well, we all have an issue in life. Mm-hmm. The question is, what are you doing about that issue? Mm-hmm. And that, if you don't have insurance, if you don't have somebody to speak to, you do have yourself. Because at the end of the day, you're your own best friend. Yeah. yeah so yeah. journaling is something that is very important. Now, journaling, and here's another element that we teach our, our life coaching clients, is sometimes says, well, how can I express myself to my wife or to, you know, or my kids or, or, or vice versa. How can kids tell their parents? Because everything ends up to an argument, right? Yeah. Everything people end up fighting and ends up to an argument. And I said, well, if you already know that ends up to an argument, one, once you write them an email mm-hmm. and not be aggressive in that email and really point out, this is how I feel and this is the reasons why. When you make that comment, it hurt me this way. Or when you said that, or when you did this, it hurt me this way. Now, you're going to allow the person. You're also, when you're saying it and you're writing it as an email or in a letter, the person's not there where you can argue back and forth with. So you can really express what hurts you or what changes you would like to be seen. In that relationship, you also give the opportunity for the person that you send it to, to also consume it. And that, he can't turn around and argue with you right away at that moment. So it allows that person to consume it and say, you know what? I never thought that Efren really felt this way. I never saw it this way. Mm-hmm. Or he's got a point on that. Maybe I did mess up on this. But they don't want to tell it to you, right? They don't want to go, I mess up on this. But in an email, they can turn around and say, you know what? I do apologize for that action. Right? So it allows the person to have a communication because the biggest issue we have in all our relationships is the lack of correct communication. Yeah. People do not have a good communication because of the fear of they're going to hurt the other person or how they're going to make the other person feel. I'd rather somebody tell me, a good friend of mine tell me, you know what, Armando, you messed up on this. And I would analyze and say, okay, this is coming from a person that I admire, a person that I like, the person that I care for. Does this person really want to hurt me? No, they're bringing some knowledge to me. Because nobody's perfect. We can all change. And by allowing that has made me grow. Also, people don't know this, but you determine who sits at your table. 
So the negative people that are in your life should not have any place on your table. Mm. Because that is your table. So who I want to have a dinner with or have a conversation with, it sits on my table, it's the choice that I make. Mm. It's the choice that I have control to make. So if somebody is negative in my life, I don't invite them to sit at my table. You know, it's something that if I need to see him at work or I need to do a business deal with him, that's great. I do what I need to do, but he, he's not part of my my core people that sit at my table that I can trust, that I can ask questions, that would tell me truthfully what I'm doing right and what I'm doing wrong. And I have friends of mine that call me and say, you know what, Armando, you, you messed up on this. And I don't take it personal because they know it's coming from a positive way. I might not want to hear it at that time or at that moment, mm-hmm. but it makes sense. I have a phenomenal friend of mine. He's an attorney, and everything for him is just stats. It has to be facts. If it's not a fact, there's no way, of, uh, there's, there's a possibility that's going to happen. There's just an example of, um, let me see a quick example. Oh, I'm going to get a job. And you call him and say, hey, you know, I have my first interview. I'm going to get the job. No, you don't have the job. Hmm. He would tell you that. No, you don't have the job. He'd be like, why are you bringing me down? No, I'm telling you the facts. You don't have the job. Hmm. So what's the next tip you need to do to get the job? And if not, find another job. Yeah. So it's hard to hear that somebody is trying to get something at, but the reality, the truth is that, and it makes you motivate and say, you know what, you're right. What, what's going to happen if this doesn't come through? What's the next plan do I have? Yeah. But see, that's the, that's the people that you select to sit in your table. And that's the people that is also going to help you with your mental illness yeah. because they mean well, everybody else in life, they have, a, they have an agenda. They'll work with you for a certain period of time because they have to. Or they want to gain something from you. Mm-hmm. And some people might just want to hang out with you because they like you. But not necessarily those are your core people that you select to sit at my table. See, I know tons of people because I speak all over the world. Mm-hmm. I speak in Spanish and I speak in English, right? So I meet a lot of people through Facebook and social media. But I don't allow all those people to sit at my table. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So that's the power that we have that we forget to do that. And one of the things that we're not taught from day one is to have self-love. That's the main thing that I teach my patients, not my patients, my life, co- my life coaching. And when I do my speaking... That's the most important thing that I that I speak about so you can face the illness. But see, from day one when you were a kid, what was what was it that you hear? You would say, love your parents, mm-hmm. love your teachers, love your friends, love your cousins, love your neighbor. But where's the love yourself part? Yeah. Well, it's like you love everybody else instead of yourself. Exactly. You've been taught from day one to love everybody else. But you've never been taught to love you. Yeah. And that's the most important thing. Because if I ask you, let me borrow $100 or $20 or a dollar, whatever it is. And if you don't have it, how can you let me borrow it? Yeah. So people get, uh, people always say, oh, I give love. No, you give an emotion. Mm-hmm. Because 
because love is something you need to have you don't have it for you to give it so we need to start loving ourselves so we can have a better relationship for our kids you know people we say why do this for my kids and I don't have time for this because I do it for my kids. But then you're teaching your kids again not to love themselves because they have to cater to somebody, somebody else. But if you teach your kids, this is one of the things that I teach again. It's when you come home, you should have a half an hour of a me time. Just me time. If you want to sit down, you want to get a bubble bath, have a bubble bath. You want to take a nap? Take a nap. You want to sit down and you want to watch your favorite show? You sit down and you watch your favorite show. But you don't pick up your phone. You're on the email. You don't answer this. You have a half an hour to an hour of me time. Yeah. That me time is so important because it allows you to decompress from everything you've been going through that day. And you can just sit down, analyze, do meditation, do a little bit of yoga, hear some hear some music that you enjoy do things that you're not able to do through the days that you enjoy pick up a book that you want to read but don't pick up a book of personal development pick up a book that might have a story that takes you away from business it takes you away from everything else where it's just me time you know write journal that me time i recommend it to everybody whether you're a mom or you're a dad or you're a business owner whatever it is that meantime is I guarantee you it will change you and by you being changed the rest of your relationships will be changed and more if you're facing a mental illness when you can really sit down and go okay this is an hour a day I need to do something that's gonna bring some type of joy to me or it's gonna bring some type of release for me if you're a woman and you want to go get pamper, you want to go do your hair, go do your hair. That's your me time. Your me time is so important. And again, we're not taught me time. Yeah, we're not. Again, again, because it, it all comes down again. We're not. Oh, and if you do this, you're selfish. That's what we're taught. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're going to go play golf. Okay, you're being selfish now. Oh, you're going to go do your hair and nails. You're being selfish now. Which is not being selfish at all. You also need things in life that are going to make you happy. Because when you're happy, guess what? The law of attraction comes in. That energy, because everything that we have is energy. That energy is going to make another person happy. Mm -hmm. Right? Because of that energy that we have. So even if you're facing a mental illness, which is really hard when you're depressed, because you're not motivated at all. You're not motivated whatsoever. You don't want to even get out of bed. I mean, I've always said that Salma Hayek can come and knock on my door when I'm depressed, and I won't even open the door. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. like, I wouldn't even open the door. Like, I wouldn't even get that far. Right? <laughs> but if I say, and it doesn't have to be a half an hour. It doesn't have to be an hour. It could just be 10 minutes. If I work throughout the day, so you know what? For 10 minutes... I'm going to sit there and pet my dog. It's taking you to start doing something. And that 10 minutes will lead to 15 minutes. Those 15 minutes will lead to half an hour when you're depressed. So if you're depressed and you don't want to do, and you make the goal and say, okay, today 
I'm just going to shower. Because you haven't get out of bed. So, you know, today I'm just going to shower. That's my goal for today. Mm-hmm. And you accomplish that goal. What do you feel good? Yeah. Exactly. See, the thing, the problem with the, one of the major problems that we have in life, you know, we're, this is the beginning of the new year, right? We're in February. Mm-hmm. So, one of the things is people don't take this guidance. And if people want to join my newsletter, which is info at Bipolar Depression Power, you know, send me a message say that you want to join the newsletter. And we add you. Our last, new, our last newsletter was based on here's your goals for 2018. And it talks about of creating a goal that's three months, creating a goal that's six months, and creating a goal that's in a year. What happens is that the beginning of the year, we say, I want to accomplish all these things. And you have 100 goals or 50 goals or 25 goals or whatever, but they're so long. And it's 365 days from this point on. But if you can turn around and say, okay, I'm going to accomplish something in 90 days, what really is that I can accomplish in that period of time? Hmm. Then you can really minimize and you can really focus on what you want to accomplish in that. And when you accomplish that, it's going to give you the strength and the motivation to take you to the to your six months goal. But again, those six months goals are going to become realistic because now you know, oh, I can't accomplish everything that I want. I have to be realistic with what I want to accomplish. And then those six-month goals will take you to the year. But if you just start from the year and say, in this year, I want to accomplish all those things, well, they're just way too far to accomplish them. So that is for the general public that want to accomplish their own goals. But if you're facing a mental illness, if you just put yourself one goal for that day and you accomplish it, you're moving forward. Mm-hmm. Exercise is so important and people go, I don't want to go to the gym when you're facing a mental illness. I completely agree. But if you do five-minute walk and a ten-minute walk, you're moving forward. It's not about the huge step. It's about making a step. Mm-hmm. And that's the things that I've had to do to better myself, to confront the illness and face the illness and remove all the negative things that people made me believe. And the sad part is, it's the same people that tell you, I love you, and I would never do anything to hurt you. But at the same time, you're a loser. You're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to have a relationship because you're a loser. You're not going to have a relationship with a partner. You're a loser. You're not going to be successful in, in life because you're a loser. You're not going anywhere. You're going to live under your, your parents' you know, house the rest of your life. Why? Because you're, you're, lo- you're, you're a loser. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a job. Losers don't get jobs. That's what I was taught. To believe. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people are taught. To believe. Whether you're facing a mental illness or not. And I had to learn. To say, no, I have self-love. And that is not true. I can reach goals. I have dreams that I want to accomplish. Now, let me point this out. It didn't happen overnight. This is a process that took years. Because keep in mind, this is a process that I was also told for years. And from the people, my parents, my mother, 
my sister, my stepdad. And my mother is the first person that I saw when I was able to see. My mother was also the first person that fed me. So that, that connection is so strong. And then to hear all those negative things, well, guess what? This is the also the person that also taught you that if you grab something that's hot, you're going to burn yourself. So do you believe them when they're telling you this? Mm. At such a young age? Yeah, you believe them. Because you also believe the other neg- the other things that, you know, they're, they're doing that want to hurt you. But your biggest fallback is trying to please a family member or someone else. And the moment you start making choices for you is the moment your life will change. The moment you say, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do this. Also, no. It's a full answer. No doesn't have maybes. No doesn't have because of this. If I say no, that is a full sentence. It's no. And you need to learn how to empower that. And you need to learn to be able to say no. Because again, we've been taught to always say yes. Oh, dude, you're not going to do that for me? Oh, dude, you're flaking out. What's up, your friend? You're not going to take me here? Oh, man, what kind of friend are you? No, I can't take No, it's not that I'm not a bad friend. I have things I need to do. I can't take you there. I just can't. Well, I choose not to. But what, we end up doing it because we want to please that person. But if you're real with yourself and that person doesn't understand that you're real with yourself and that you can't be there for that person constantly, then that person might not be the right person for you. That person may not be the right person that you allow to sit down in your table. Mm. So, you know, mental illness, it affects you in so many different ways. And it's just not, you know, medicine also has their positive and the negatives. But the biggest step, the biggest medicine, the biggest solution that you can do is start finding that self-love again and do not believe the negative things you've been told. And that's when therapy also comes in place because a lot of those negative things stay in our subconscious mind. I had a client, right? She's a beautiful, beautiful girl. Beautiful girl, phenomenal body. But the dad, since she was young, we used to pinch her little stomach and go, oh, you're chubby, you're chubby. You know, he was doing it in a a caring way, Mm -hmm. right? He was doing it in a way that he he was caring. He would grab her little stomach. Oh, you're chubby, you're chubby, right? And she she, she showed, when when I was coaching her as a life coach, she said she wasn't able to have a good relationship with, with the male, with the partner. Right? Yeah. She would say, and, and as we were trying to work through that, I started asking her how she goes with the family things. And the conversation came up about that. And what happens now with her, her, her partner, she wasn't able to have a great partnership because she felt fat. In her mind, she felt fat. So when they were being intimate, it was like, don't turn off the light. You know, don't touch me here. Don't look at me here. Don't do this. And the other person is like, well, you're my, you're my, you're my partner. What do you mean I can't, you know, hold you this way or touch you this way or we're 
intimate. We couldn't do certain things. Okay, obviously, if you're a woman or a male and you don't want to do something and you say no, the answer is no, right? But I'm talking at this level, right? Where she would turn around and he would look at a girl and she goes, oh, yeah, you're looking at her because... And it, it's not that he's looking at her. He would just turn in that way, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's not Because she's not fat like me. And if you would see her... Her body was phenomenal because of the fact that all she did was spend a whole bunch of time in the gym because she thought she was fat, and she wasn't at all. So when we were able, when I was able to tap into that and say, no, at self-worth and self-value, you're not that. You're not fat. That's a form of your dad communicating with you that way. That was a form of your dad showing you love. It wasn't the correct way because it stood in your mind. So a lot of things that we do, we got to also think about how it's going to affect that person in the long term. Yeah. And when she starts seeing that, and she starts seeing her worth, and she starts seeing her value, and she starts seeing that that's not who she is, guess what? Her dating life changed completely. And now she found a phenomenal partner that she's really happy with because she's, she knows that that's not who she is. She knows who she is. And that that was planted in her mind, it's not true. But again, that's all she heard. And that's all she was taught. Mm-hmm. So remember, our words have power. I'll give you another example. Okay. I was with a friend of mine and we were at a seminar. And you know, sometimes when you stand next to someone and you know you don't have that vibe, it's just for some reason, you just don't like that person. Yeah. They haven't, yeah. Even, they haven't even spoke to you. They haven't even said a word to you. But Because every, everything's energy, right? We have energy. Yeah. Everything we do. That's why a hug is so important. When you hug someone, you can feel if they're sad or you can feel they're happy, right? Because yeah. it's energy that we have, right? So a gentleman stood next to him and I guess the other gentleman didn't feel a correct vibe with them, right? Mm-hmm. So we had that conversation because you were there. The guy was a little bit cocky and turned around and said, I don't like your tie. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Fine. The guy left and my guy, my buddy was so ticked off. He was like, hey man, I'm going to tell him something. I go, why? I go, when you bought that tie, nowhere on the tie had the description that says, everybody in the world is going to love your tie. <laughs> there was nowhere there. So this person didn't like your tie. Move on. You're adding value to that. He walked away. He forgot about you. Don't let your ego determine your actions. Mm. And that's a big mistake that we tend to do. And more as male. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to let him talk to me like that. Who does he think he is? Yeah. Who cares? Doesn't care. Tell me that you don't like my tie. Fine. My tie is not built for everybody to like. You know, I can thank you very much. I like it. I purchase it and I like it and I wear it. But see, again, you got to determine what battles you want to fight. You got to determine who you want to add value to. See, because you make that choice. So when everybody, when somebody tells you something negative, doesn't mean that you're less. Doesn't mean that you that you allowed it. No, it just means that you're not giving it value. Mm-hmm. Now, the the reason why our ego takes place is because we don't want to tell the person that's next to us that oh anybody can tell us anything. Well, you turn around and tell the person next to you is like I'm not adding value to that comment. Done. You know what I mean? It's, 
it's all about learning things and all those things with the fear of the stigma apply because there's such a fear with mentalness and the stigma so when people would say oh you're you're bipolar i gotta go and act different okay that's your choice i'm not gonna take it personal if you want to be educated i'll be more happy to educate you i'll be more happy to tell you about it but if you're gonna make the choice to look at me in a different way because of stigma that you haven't even really ever been and stuff that you really haven't known much about but you just hurt and you want to walk away that's your choice i'm not going to take it personal that's your choice yeah imagine if i would take it personal with so many people now that i'm a motivational speaker yeah <laughs> i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't be anywhere yeah. So I don't take it personal, and I don't hide it. Now I don't walk around with the with the with the sticker that says, "Hi, I'm Armando, and I face bipolar." But if the conversation comes up, or you ask me, I'd be more happy to tell it to you. Again, because it's an illness; it's not by choice, and I'm not gonna hide because of what somebody else might think. An illness that was given to me. Now I've learned. That that illness that was given to me, I also have a choice to try to see the positive of it. See, I'm a two-time suicide survivor, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It could have been a third time, but I turn around and thought about it, and I keep I thought about it for for so long and said, "Why is it it didn't happen? Is there a purpose? What is my why? My why? Because we all have our why, right? Mm-hmm. What is my why?" Can my why be that all that I had, all the things I went through, look at it like if it was a school and now I graduated, and now that I'm graduated, I gotta, t- I can teach. But if I didn't go through all that, how could I teach it? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the guy that tells you don't be an alcoholic, but has never drank. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. I had to go through all those elements so I could sit here and have a phenomenal conversation with you and be invited to your amazing show. Mm. If it wasn't for all that, there was no purpose for this. Yeah. And if this if this podcast impacted one person, I did my job. I did my why. Mm-hmm. Wow. As a two-time suicide survivor um, and dealing with everything you've dealt with in your life, um, how do you, you know, you say you did it twice. Like, how do you keep yourself, you know, how do you keep yourself not depressed? How do you keep yourself following your goals? Well, don't get me wrong. There's still depression moments. Yeah. There's still very depression moments. The illness, the illness doesn't have a cure. Yeah. I just, I've just learned to, to, when that happens, have a different outcome. Do different steps. As soon as I feel that my depression is coming in, I, I know that I need to apply certain steps. I know that I need to do certain things so that doesn't take over control of me. Now, don't get me wrong. There is many times that I allow it to do its course. But I put a time period and say, okay, I'm going to give you a week. Because you, you want to get this out of you. Okay, I'm going to give you a week. But after that week, I'm not going to cater to you. I, I'm not. Hmm. And you start doing little steps through that week that's going to get you to what you want to go. Because, again, that your depression can be because somebody hurts you so much and it just leads you to a depression. So you also got to allow that to happen. If you have somebody that passed away, 
you, you gotta allow that period of your time to 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 have that emotion leave your body. Mm. You know, to grieve. Yeah. So if you're always trying to suppress, 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 there's gonna be a point where you're gonna end up crashing and hit rock bottom. Wow. But see, this is steps that you need to learn yeah. to start taking. So, and there's many times that I do suppress it right away. Uh-uh, uh-uh, you ain't coming here. <laughs> Not at all. Uh-uh, let me, let me tell you this, you ain't coming here, right? Yeah. And there's other times that I do allow to run as a course. Wow. Right? Yeah. But I do have a great network of people. Now, going back to who, de- how you determine who sits at your table, Every person that sits at your t- that you allow to sit at your table has a different role in your life. Mm-hmm. See, I got my friend Brooke. Just I'm lucky to have her in my life, just the same way I'm lucky to have Andy. Um, but they bring different roles. Each one of them bring, brings a different role. I mean, each one of them. I know that I can tell this person certain things, and I know I can't tell the other person certain things. Mm. Why is that? Because certain, another person will react in a different way that is not healthy for me. Ah, okay. So then I know that with Brooke, I can have this type of conversation and she's going to bring this this element to me. And I know with Andy, I can have this type of conversation and he's going to bring a different element to me. Mm. But see, again, I made the choice who sits on my table. And I determine which value each person is going to bring. Now, this is a very important point, too, that we tend to forget. The people that you allow to sit at your table, you also got to be willing to give, mm-hmm. not just take. Yeah. You got to be willing to also give. You got to be willing if they call you 2 o'clock in the morning, you're there for them just the way they're there for you. Mm-hmm. And that's a very important thing because we only tend to look at our benefit. But our benefit has to also benefit the other person. Yeah. It's like that old saying, like, the door swings both ways, right? Like, you know. The door, the door swings both ways. Yeah. And you got to be realistic of that. Yeah. Because nobody likes to just be giving, 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 and not receive. Yeah. So you also have to be the, a person for that, for them. It's just the way it's going to work out. Yeah. You know what I mean? My, 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 talking about Andy, he calls me the other day. He goes, I need you to come to my house. I need to tell you something. Well, he didn't tell me that we needed to move a 150-pound um, fish tank. <laughs> he didn't tell me that part, right? <laughs> and, and, I, and I get there, I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah, we got to empty the water. We got to carry it. We got to wash it. We got to clean it. And we got to bring it to my house. And, and I want you to help me set up my fish. And I'm like, Really? <laughs> you just gotta be there for him, right? Because he's your boy. He's yeah. that person, and yeah. you know you gotta be there, right? So you also gotta be willing to give. Did I feel like waking up on a on a Sunday at, at seven o'clock in the morning and go do that? No, but I, but he's my, he's he's a very important person to me, so I'm willing to do it. Yeah, yeah, right. So that's that's another thing too. Uh, we we somebody that faces a, a mental illness tends to always say. Oh, they don't understand me, or they don't want to do something for me, right? Mm-hmm. Well, have you also done something for that for that person? 
Wow. Now, the whole part that they don't understand me is a big, big part in the illness. Because you got to keep in mind, with a mental illness, you can go up to like 15 years without not knowing that you have it, that you face it. Because again, in your mind, you're operating normal. If we can all self-diagnose, all we need a doctor is just to say, can you give me this medicine or what's the stuff I need to know because this is what I have mm-hmm. or this is what I'm facing. No. So you do have to do therapy. You do need to do counseling, uh, a psychiatrist. Those are elements that you need to do and you don't have to remove the negative stigma. You, not anybody else because nobody else owes it to you. You owe it to yourself. But you owe it to yourself. You just owe it to yourself. Nobody else owes you that. There's not one person that owes you that. And we tend to always. And it's funny because the people that hurt me the more is is the people that are always trying to get their their approval for whatever I did. And the moment that I stop asking for their approval, that's the moment that my life also start in a different way. Wow. Yeah. That's so. That's so true. You're right about that. That's so true. That's the moment because we always, you know, I see so many kids that, you know, the mom wants them to do this and they end up doing something and they want to do something else, but they're so dying to get that approval and they never end up doing their goals and their dreams because there's, they want that approval. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, they, your parents or, or whoever, they have done their life. And you're going to walk out of that life one moment and you're going to end up doing you. So when people say they don't understand my mental illness, then the question that should be asked, what is it that I need to do so I don't rely on them? Um, now give me like, um, I, I know nothing, nothing. I know nothing is a quick fix, but give me like three key elements that people could do if they're depressed. When they're depressed, or they want to have a communication with someone. Um, um, I guess, I, I guess for both, I guess for both. Okay. When they're depressed or not depressed, and just in general to everybody, is journal. 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 If you're not a writer, I'm not a writer sometimes, and what I do is I record myself. I record okay. myself, and I save those recordings, because then I go back and listen to them and go, oh, look at how much I improved. Mm-hmm. Right? Look at how much I've done. So I think... Generally, and and one of the most important tips is start finding self love. Mm-hmm. Take that step. Wake up in the wake up and every day in the mirror, look at yourself and say, "I love myself." As funny as that sounds, yeah. another I'll give I'll give your following an exercise to do. Write down, "I love myself." that self-love and before you go to bed 
the last thought that should stay in your mind is that you love yourself. Yeah. If your following starts doing that exercise, they will improve their life completely. Mm, that's all. Another thing that I recommend is put pasties all over your house with positive affirmations. You're beautiful. You're you're gonna you're successful. Not you're gonna be. You gotta put it in the present. You are successful. You are beautiful. Or I am, because I am is the biggest positive statement that you can tell yourself. I am successful. I am beautiful. I am reaching my goals and dreams. Not I will. I am. It's a big difference. Of I will and I am. So, I am successful, I am love, I am giving, I am beautiful, I am reaching my goals and dreams, I am worth of a positive life. You put pieces like that all over your house, in your room, you also put them in your office, so you can constantly be seeing that, so you can constantly be reminded and start removing all the negative thoughts that you have that you've been planted on. Yeah. And the more you see it, the more... Because when you see it, you have to also read it. Mm-hmm. And when you're reading and you're seeing it, you're feeling that emotion. Whether you're aware of it or not, you're, that, that is starting to become your new database in your subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. That it's going to be applied in your conscious mind. Oh. Man, that's really deep, Armando. I'm just like reflecting on what you're saying, and you know, it's it, you know, it. A, a lot of people, I guess, it'll be hard for them to do it, but it's all repetition, right? Like you have to be willing to do it in order to, for you to face the illness. No, it's not hard to do it. Yeah. It's a hard struggle. Yeah. But you can do it. Yeah. Nobody became successful overnight. What's the saying? Rome wasn't built in a day, mm-hmm. but it was built, yeah. right? Yeah. So it is hard, but it doesn't mean it cannot be accomplished. And again, it took me many years. I didn't do overnight, and I'm honest all the time with my following and whoever I speak with. It took me years, but I did it, and I continued doing it. Every day I continue doing it. Yeah. Every day I remind myself, if you could, I am going to impact somebody today. I am going to make a change. Yeah. If I if I say that to myself, guess what? It starts happening. Because I'm starting to attract it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like I attracted you to to invite me to do this interview. Yeah. If you would see me doing all negative things, why would you have me here? Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. I am going to get exposure. I am going to have my message be be told in different platforms that have a voice, mm-hmm. like your platform. Yeah. See, but those are the things I need to, to remind myself and keep on telling myself on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So it is possible. And I'm probably going to work on it all my life. But I can do it. I am doing it. Mm -hmm. And whoever else is hearing this, you can also do it. I have faith in you that you can. Because I don't have a, I'm not special. 
much. I don't have a superpower. I don't. I don't. I just have the want to live a different life, to live a life that I deserve, not the life that I was told that that's what's going to be my life, that I was told that that's what I am. Because I'm not. Um, my final question for you, Armando, is what would the Armando today tell the Armando of yesterday? What Armando today would tell Armando yesterday? If you have faith, if you if you if you have and learn to continue adding self love to yourself, you can confront anything. Now, that doesn't mean that every outcome is going to be a positive outcome. But I can confront them. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. Well, this a lot of people. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go a ahead. Lot, a lot of people think because you say those positive things, there's it, it's, it's always going to be a positive thing in your life. No, mm-hmm. we need the ups and downs that keeps us going. If not, how boring. I mean, how boring would it be? Yeah. We we need the ups and downs. The ups and downs is what make us stronger. Yeah, right. You know, I fail on many things. And I'm probably going to fail on many other things in life. But that's what's going to make me successful. That's what's continue making me successful. Yeah. You know, I don't fear, I don't fear failing. I don't. A lot of people fear it. I don't. Because what, because, see, this is the thing. I I learned this from Gary Vandershaw. And he says this all the time. When you fail... You remove all the negative stuff from people saying, oh, see, you did. Yeah, I did. Now you can turn around and stick it in their face. <laughs> yep. Now you can turn and say, what I tell you? It took me longer, but here I am. Mm-hmm. Booyah. Yep. You, you know what I mean? So now you removed all that. Okay, you, oh, yeah, he's a failure, yeah. And then when you turn around and you hit it big, they're like, oh, we were friends. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Well, you yeah. Now that I'm successful, you want to be buddy buddies? No, it doesn't work that yeah. way. Yeah, you know, it's even like that with family too. You know, like if oh, you just learned how to drive. Oh, well, he's never going to learn how to drive. And then when you learn how to drive, like oh snap, he knows how to drive. Like whoa, you know, like they're shocked. Right. You know, and they're shocked. You know what I mean? Oh, he's never going to be able to do this. And then you turn around and do it. And you're like whoa, oh, okay, well, uh, and and you can turn around and stick it to the person that said, I thought you said I wasn't able to do this. Guess what? Ooh, I am able to do it. Yeah. So go ahead and doubt me again. Yeah. And I will fail again. It's just part of life. Not every business is successful. Not every relation is successful. Not every friendship is successful. It's part of life. Yeah. It's just, and when you know and you're aware of that, then you start looking at things and say, okay, what's happening right now is temporary. Yeah. And when you can start looking at things, okay, this is temporary. What is the solution I need to find? This is one thing when people go, oh, you're broke. No, I'm not broke. I'm going through a financial situation around that I'm finding a solution for, but I'm not broke. I still have life. I still have wants. I still have beliefs. I'm just not financially to the place that I like to be. But I'm finding a solution to that issue. But if you start believing that you are broke, and you keep on telling yourself that you're broke, guess what? You're going to be broke all your life. Because you yourself are saying it. 
Yeah, because you know you're putting the words out there into the universe, and like you know you're just bringing that onto yourself. Like, oh, I'm broke. I'm broke. You know. Not only you're putting it to the universe, you're putting it to yourself. Yeah. You are educating yourself to tell yourself that you're gonna be broke all your life, and guess what? You do things that are gonna make you broke. Yeah. But when you tell yourself this, no, I'm finding a solution to that issue. Guess what? You're gonna be more successful because now you're looking. Okay, if I make this choice, is this a positive choice? If I make the sacrifice, is it gonna lead me to this? You know what I mean? You know, one of the things that if, I don't know if people have rich, uh, rich uh, read uh, rich dad to poor dad. One of the main things that he says is that he had one dad that said, "Oh, I can't afford that," and then he had another dad that said. What is it that I need to do so I can afford that? Mm. And we need to start changing our words, but also, and this is a big part, we gotta be willing to do the work. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely because right. You can put it in the universe. You can put it in the universe all you want. You know, it's like the guy that says I'm gonna win the lottery, but he never buys a ticket. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can say it all you want. Yeah. But if he didn't work and hustle to get that dollar so you can spend it and apply to that, then it doesn't apply. Yeah. You got to be willing to do the work. And that's what the and that's what people fail. Yeah. And more in our society nowadays because we get everything so instantly. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but, you know, back in the day we had pay phones. Yep, yeah. I'm in my 40s, late 40s, so yeah, I know. <laughs> do you remember when you, you remember when you were in junior high and you used to do little notes? Yeah. <laughs> I even remember Smart Beep, like the beeper, Smart Beep, and then, you know. Exactly. <laughs> and we had little notes, and that's how we communicate. Hey, can you give this to Mary? I know you have her in her next period. Can you give it to her? Yeah. Cool. And, uh, I'm going to be over here. Can you, can you bring it back to me? It was, you know, we figured out a way. And nowadays, you have your world on a phone. Yeah. Any kid, any person can ask anything to Google, and there's a, and, and I'll give you an answer. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So our, our limitations has changed. Now we have a lot more things that we can accomplish. Yeah. You know, um, Armando, speak about, because you're the founder of Bipolar Depression Power. Um, you was talking a little bit about it. Um, you basically talk with people about the depression, and you motivate them. Like You're like also a motivational speaker, right? Correct on that? Well, I'm a motivational speaker, and I go to, you know, I get hired to go to different places. I, uh, you know, whether it be at a, an event, whether it be a, a corporate, you know, engagement, whether it be, you know, a small company that has 10, 10 employees, a company that has 100 employees, and then I also do workshops for family members, and then I do, um, you know, you know, events, you know, do events where I will speak and I, you know, obviously get hired to speak, but I speak everywhere. You know what I mean? I speak everywhere. I don't mind traveling to Chicago and speak. You know what I mean? I speak everywhere because I believe the message is everywhere. And I also want to point out a very important thing. The illness does not have a religion. It doesn't have a color. It doesn't have a financial status. So it doesn't matter if you're African-American or you're Latino, you're, you're Asian. It doesn't matter. The illness doesn't care. The illness doesn't care if you're, if you're worth $150 million. It doesn't care. So I want to be able to get my message to everybody. The illness doesn't care either if you believe on a certain religion or, or you don't believe a certain religion. Yeah. See, and and, and that's, what I, that's what I'm lucky to be able to motivate people and speak at different events. Um, right now, I'm trying to get a little bit more corporate uh, companies because 
if you're not if you're not facing the illness you probably know somebody that's facing the illness. Mm -hmm. So to have your employee to be more productive, if he has the correct skills of creating a crisis plan for himself or for a loved one, he's going to be less stressed and he's going to be able to give you more at his job and be productive. Also, if there's somebody that's facing it at the company, you're going to go there and help remove the labels. So people could also work with that person without judgment of the labels mm, that's that's amazing like for like to speaking with people about that especially people who are working you know like there's a lot of people that deal with stuff every day they, they, just, they don't they don't have an outlet so that's good that you go to the jobs and everything and help them out well it's not only the people who face mental illness but also people that are finding their own identity whether it be gay whether it be bisexual whatever it is you know there's people that live a different life yeah. You know, they give this person, they give this person, I mean, there's people that are married, have kids, but they're really attracted to another sex. Yeah. Or they're attracted to their own, you know, their own sexuality, who they are, and they live a different life, and it's a very depressing life, and a lot of people end up committing suicide. Yeah. So, also, if you have somebody in the workplace, and this is, this is just this is an example, it's a gentleman that he's gay, another guy doesn't, oh, I don't want to talk to him, or I don't want to work with him because he's gay. Well, it doesn't mean because he's gay, he's checking you out. Just like male, doesn't mean every woman you look like, you're checking her out. It's just, it doesn't. Yeah. So to walk in there and remove those labels, the synergy at, the, at work, it's a lot better with now your employees are a lot more productive. Yeah. Because that synergy is a lot better. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you know who Richard Branson is. Yeah, Richard he, owns a little, he owns a little company called uh, Virgin Airlines, right? <laughs> yeah, just a little company. Just, yeah. It's yeah, so a little company, right? And he's, he's, uh, Virgin Airlines. So I saw, uh, this is funny because I saw this years, years ago. I'm, I'm talking like 15 years ago or maybe 20. They're interviewing him at his castle in Ireland because obviously he has a beautiful castle, right? Mm -hmm. And the girl from CNN tells him, he goes, throughout the question, she asks him one question and she goes, what do you do for your investors? And he replied, he goes, I don't do anything for my investors. It's just like, well, what do you mean by that? He goes, I don't. And he was like, but your investors invest $100 million. That's great. He goes, I don't. And he goes, well, what do you do? He goes, I do things for my employees. Uh -huh. Because when my employees are happy, then there's growth in the company and there's revenue coming into the company. And at the end of the day, all my investors care is about the numbers. Mm -hmm. Other people are so concerned to try to cater to that investor that they don't take care of their of their core, which is their employees, that's gonna make them money. So me speaking at, at, at corporate engagements is very important business for business people is very important because that synergy is going to be better and again if you're not facing it you probably know somebody that's facing it so let's say you get a call because your wife is facing it and you're all stressed out at work and you're all trying to see what you do if there was a crisis plan created yeah. he can still give you work he can still do his job and know there are positive things taking place that has to go th within that crisis plan that was created for everybody in there, everybody in that, for everybody in that 
in that person's life that knows, okay, we're at step A, we're at step B. So you can call somebody and say, where are you at? Okay, well, you're at step D. Okay, what does D mean? Okay, okay, this is what's going on. Okay, cool. At least I know what's going on. Because again, then everybody has an opinion. And everybody everybody becomes to say, you got to do this, you got to do that. You know, don't talk to them this way, do this, do that. And it doesn't help the situation. It just escalates the situation. But when everybody can walk in and say, okay, we need to do step A, which is this. And if step A is not working, we need to do step B and step you know, see, and you know, you start following some steps. So if you call me or I call you and say, Hey, where's step B? Then, okay, I know this is happening. Okay. At least I have an idea what's happening. Mm -hmm. At least I know that the plan that we created is trying to take place. Mm -hmm. And those are very important steps yeah. because everybody, everybody thinks negative before positive. Mm -hmm. That's just the way it is. Because again, you also been taught that. You also been taught, like, don't get there because you're gonna fall. Yeah. Um, you're carrying groceries, or oh, you know, don't carry one more bag because they're gonna fall on you. You're gonna drop them. Just think negative instead of like, hey, cool. You got four bags. You'd be able to carry those. That's awesome. And you can come back and grab another four. Yeah. You're not taught that. You're taught, oh no, they're gonna fall. They're gonna break. You're gonna make a mess. That's your shot. You're taught since they want to think negative, not think positive. Yeah. Absolutely. And we're an autopilot. We're an autopilot. That just becomes autopilot for us. Yeah. But when you can start making those choices and start, and start being realistic and say, what's the positive side? And that's what I had to apply with facing the illness and say, what's the positive side? Why is it that I received this? Why is it that I've, I was given this illness? There has to be a positive side to it. It has to. It has to. And that's when I realized that in my case, right, it's for me to be able to teach other and be a motivational speaker and be a life coach and work with families because we also work with families with bipolar depression power. We work with families, we educate families how to have a better relationship with the person that's facing it, whether it be a kid, husband, wife, sister, how to have those better relations and how to work as a synergy to help that person. So I'm lucky to be able to do those things. Yeah. Now, I have to go through a terrible period of my life to the point that I wanted to end up my own life, to the point that I no longer wanted to be here, to the point where I took action so that didn't happen. Yeah. I'm glad I failed. Wow. And now I'm lucky to be able to do stuff for others and help others. Yeah. You know, one of the most beautiful things is when you receive an email from somebody that says, I was thinking of hurting myself, but I saw this video that you did where I saw this post that you did and I no longer want to hurt myself oh. I mean That's that to me right yeah. you can't put a price on that yeah. you just can't yeah. so and our big slogan with bipolar depression is remember you're not the illness it is something that you face That's right. because when you say this is what I have, then that's all you are. If I met you and I said, oh, hi, friend, I'm bipolar, and I walk away, that's all you're going to remember. Oh, that's the guy that's bipolar, brother. Oh, but I think his name is Armando. That's all you're going to remember. But if I turn around and say, hey, hi, nice to meet you, I'm Armando, and the conversation leads to, oh, and I face bipolar. Now, the word face, you not might understand. you might not understand the illness, but I guarantee you, you also have faced something. Yeah. So right away, there's a certain connection there. Wow. And 
also face means that you're doing something about it. Oh. Just the same way you faced a divorce, let's just say that for an example, and you and you did something about it to to find a solution to it. Yeah. Now, not every solution is going to be a positive one, but you did something about it. Yeah. So now there's a certain connection there. Now the stigma minimizes big time too. Yeah. Wow, Mando, that's deep, man. Like you just like hit like every nail on the head, and you know you're. You're definitely, I could see why you're a motivational speaker and, you know, it's amazing work that you're doing because, you know, somebody has to do it and I'm glad as you, you're participating in the, you know, in, in, in the life of helping people out. Um, plug, um, plug your social media, plug Bipolar Depression, plug your YouTube channel. Um, all these social media on Facebook and Instagram is Bipolar Depression Power. Uh, our YouTube channel is coming up. Uh, we haven't launched it, but we're putting some phenomenal interviews. I had the opportunity to uh, interview the lead singer for Carlos Santana. You know, we talked about his story. I also had the opportunity to talk about uh, Fanny, Fanny Miller, which is the only Latina that has a new, one of the only Latinas that have a newspaper. And she also does a conference called Celebrando Latinas, which is the biggest conference for, for the Latino market for female. And so we're going to bring you guys some phenomenal things uh, on, our fa on our YouTube channel. It, it's gonna, it, and our YouTube channel is Bipolar Depression Power. So it's not fully on right now. You can kind of go see some things that we have there. And by April, we're going to have something phenomenal. We're bringing some really good knowledge on fitness, fashion, personal development, finance, fun things that we're doing. And we got some really cool contests that we're going to be doing, giveaways. Uh, so that's that. And, um, and if anybody wants to send me an email, you can go ahead and send me an email at info at Bipolar Depression Power, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have, or if you're interested in my service, I'd be more happy that, because I am in your channel, if they mention your channel, I'd be more happy to give them 10% off in any of my services, whether it be me or Bipolar Depression oh. Power service, I'd be more happy to give them 10% off. Oh, that's awesome, Armando. Thank you so much. That's beautiful, man. No worries. You just got to mention your name or mention the podcast, and we'll, we'll apply it. Easy. Done. Oh, sweet. Ladies and gentlemen... That was Armando Aguilera and um, Aguilar. Aguilar. I'm sorry. Aguilar. Aguilar. You see, the word, the, the, that's the Latino in me. I got to get the Latino out. Aguilar. 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 Yeah. And I, 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 if I may end it with this note, is, which is our slogan again, remember, you're not the only It is something that you face, and it's been an honor to be here with you, brother, and allow me to speak to your following. Not a problem, man. It's an honor to hear... You know, you, you hear your your character, hear, you know, the, everything you've been through. Because like you said before, like everybody sees people, oh, he's living the good life or he's good. But everybody's going through their struggle. You know, you just don't see it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a pleasure having you on the podcast, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I hope everybody out there was intellectually stimulated by way of mobile devices. Have a good one, folks.